Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we discuss an off-forgotten or otherwise unexpected installment in a franchise and see if you should check it out for yourself. I'm one of your hosts, Corey, and with me, I've got Liam. How will they protect you? They titties. And Mitch. In the words of Borat, You have onions in this house? Yes! Uh... Weirdly, my notes do not contain a direct quote. What? Really? I'm looking at them like I'm. I'm saying it in a surprised voice because I'm as surprised. Yeah, most almost my entire notes are just quotes. I barely took notes. Hang on, how do I not have a man? Weird. Maybe your defense mechanism was just to not internalize any dialogue. No, I was convinced I had some down. Weird. Can I, okay, then I'll just... What I'll do is I'll acknowledge that the name John Chevrolet is extremely funny. You yeah, need to also... You uh, American, so you're just John Chevrolet. There was also a Cliff Safari. That was That's really a good. good. One. Yeah, that is good. That's a good bit. Um, We're talking about Borat. Um subsequent movie film yeah the the one and only subsequent movie film the sequel to borat um i don't know if we've ever managed to be later to a to a specific cultural moment than to be talking about borat for two reasons one it's not 2006 and two it's also not 2020 and it feels like each of those films really benefited from being right on the bleeding edge of the discourse so i'm i'm i don't know what the best angle here is other than to say i have about as indirect a life experience with borat as you can have which is that i know all of the bits like third hand that were just quoted at me by other people and any time I've ever done a Borat joke in real life, which is more frequently than you might think, I'm, I'm a good proprietor of a good my wife joke. Who among us isn't? Um, my wife. No, I, she isn't. She, no, she, she, my wife she, she is not down with them. Oh, well. I guess she's just wrong, but okay. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, um, what was I saying? Something about, oh yeah borat that's what we're talking about right um yeah okay great i i actually still forgot what i was trying to say Corey, what if you r- what, if, what if right there you managed to totally take the <laughs> podcast away from borat like what what if you were like what was i what was i talking about oh yeah i was talking about fright night three and then we just made the whole <laughs> podcast about fright night three and me and mitch never even noticed it I think in much the same way that Borat loves an elaborate bit that most people involved are not in on that would have been very appropriate. Yeah. Uh, that's not the route that we're going, though, because what I was trying to say was that um, I have basically no context for what the first Borat is actually about. And I had relatively little context for what this Borat was about. So I've got like a like a point four out of ten borat awareness skill uh which leads me to ask the follow-up question are you guys like big borat heads or what how do we get here 
I'm I'm a little bit boorish. I'm not a big Borat head. I I remember specifically where I was the first time I watched it, and it was also a bit after 2006. I was late at that point too. Um, I, I'm sure I started hearing jokes around my school around like 2000. Seven or something, but I didn't watch the first movie until uh, the summer of two thousand and eight. Yeah, a great year to turn twelve. <laughs> uh, the summer of two thousand eight, um, I was at a cabin. It was the summer of two thousand nine. In fact, I was I was later than I thought. The summer of two thousand nine, I was at like a, a cabin in a protected lakes area with a friend. Um, that that he had some scientist parents that like would uh, scientist parents. <laughs> so it was actually a scientist aunt and uncle, and they would uh, they would go and and work in this like protected lakes area over the summer, and they would have to live in this. Uh, you know, cabin house sort of thing. And um, my friend invited me to go with him and, and stay there for a week. And it was a really great week of my life. And uh, he had the movie Borat downloaded on his PSP. And so we PSP'd oh, PSP it. Uh-oh. It- <laughs> That's so funny. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, if he had had One of Stranger Calls 2005 downloaded, my, my life would have gone very differently. Yeah. But he had, he, he had uh, Borat <laughs> Um, and so that was me did learning you guys what crowd around the PSP just to we, paint the image. We did, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, we were lying in a on a pullout bed. That's where we had to stay throughout the week, and it was it was day a daytime sesh. Yeah, I guess we just it was too hot to go outside that day, or we didn't want to. So it was a daytime sesh in this cabin, and we watched Borat on his PSP, and I I remember liking it. Um, but I think I didn't really understand it all that much. Like it, it's quite a unique format that movie, and um, the jokes actually aren't as simple as just like my wife and stuff. Like there's there's a bit of a well, there's also nice. Yeah, there's not very nice. Um, and <laughs> so, uh, some of the jokes really stuck out to me, like him saying the suit is not black. Like that, that's a, that's a classic. But um, the movie didn't stick with me the way that like a super bad did because I think a lot of the satirical stuff or like the 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 beauty of the form that this guy is playing a character but um, interacting with real people. Uh, kind of went over my head or didn't click with me i was a jackass fan at the time but even this is a bit a bit uh more uh, unique than jackass so over the last decade and uh, decade and a couple years um the only thing that i've really remembered about borat besides the jokes that everyone repeats is uh this a scene where Borat and his sidekick have a naked fight in a hotel room. Um, I couldn't He's remember why. Sidekick? Wh- he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole movie. Oh. I couldn't remember why they were fighting, but I just remembered that there was a, there was a naked fight in the movie, um, and that was it. 
And so when Borat 2 was coming out, uh, when it was announced, like a surprise announcement in 2020, I thought it was really cool just in terms of filmmaking that they were able to keep this movie secret and that it was going right to Amazon. It seemed to be politically charged and it was an election year. And so I thought that was really cool. And so I I wanted to watch it right when it came out. Um, In fact, I I pitched to Corey in the the pre-Mitch days. I wanted to do it the week it came out. And that was when I learned that Corey was very averse to... uh, um, material that often makes you cringe, uh, awkward, real life material, that sort of thing. You can talk about that more, Corey. But but I, I got the impression from you, or, or maybe you even said, you know, I, I don't really want to do Borat. And so I said, all right. And I put it on the back burner and I, um, I didn't watch it at the time uh, for that reason. I just never got to it. And so I picked Wait, it this week. you didn't watch week. it at all? No, no, no. Um, wow, I really I, I changed the course of your life. You did, you did, and I figured that you know at some point maybe we would get to it on the podcast because you didn't, you didn't. I don't know if you said we're never going to do Borat, but uh, you just you just weren't down to do it at the time. And now that we're each picking every week, I realize that I have the power to make you watch it, and I still wanted to watch it, so I watched uh, Borat two, and then for extra context, I went back and I watched Borat one. So I've had a double feature of Borat this week. Whoa, Mitch! It's a lot of Borat. Yeah, I had a similar sort of experience. Um, I wouldn't classify classify myself as a huge Borat head. I probably saw it around two thousand eight or two thousand nine, so I was also probably too young. Um, I remember. I mean, everybody when you're a kid, you have those one that one friend whose parents like are don't really give a shit. That's kind of lawless at their house, and uh, so I watched it at my buddy's house, and there was like a whole bunch of us. And we all just like watched it. And I can remember like some of our parents like finding out that we had seen it and they were like all pissed. I don't know if my parents found out about it. I don't think so. You were but, good at keeping secrets. Yeah. Yeah. I guess they just didn't catch wind of it. But um, yeah, nice. I remember w- watching it. I don't remember that just much from the original viewing. Um, I do remember that naked hotel room uh, fight scene. It's memorable. Yeah. Yeah, just what a I jarring ha- image. Yeah, I, I just haven't seen it since then, though. So, and I haven't really wanted to seek it out that badly. I saw this movie once, I uh, Borat too, uh, when it came out, uh, and I remember being like pretty, uh, pretty good on it, but uh, also kind of like mixed too. It wasn't my favorite thing. I wasn't like head over heels for it. Um, but I, now I've seen it twice. Um, but I generally have an aversion to Borat and that kind of humor. I especially think it's cringe when people quote Borat in public, you know? Uh, That's not very nice. What do you mean? Like Borat says nice. Yeah, yeah. That's not very that at all. Yeah, when people I quote start... Borat a lot for a guy who's never seen Borat, so that's a big me problem. Yeah, no, this is I've hilarious. Always, I've always found it super cringe when people quote Borat in public and I'm like, oh Jesus. Um you're quoting Borat, but what uh, about Bruno? Uh, that's oh, worse. that's I worse. forgot I remember, about Bruno. I've I remember seen Bruno. Bruno too. Actually, I saw Bruno with like the same uh, the same cohort. <laughs> oh wow, you guys! If people that, quote I that, is it. it still cringe or is that fine? I guess uh, nobody's no. quoting it. Is the bigger uh, nobody, I feel like it doesn't have the same sort of cultural cachet. It doesn't. Um, but yeah, I find like those sort of uh, movies by Sasha Baron Cohen. Um, give me a knee-jerk reaction. 
So I'm kind of mixed on on his work, but some of it I like, some of it I don't. I didn't anticipate this many people having an aversion to this style of movie, and I guess by this many people I mean a majority of this podcast to one <laughs> Doesn't take degree much to or another. Around here. Yeah. Well, talk, Corey, because you know okay, I think I it's, it's it's a it's a natural thing that um that people will be you know kind of put off and unsettled and um uncomfortable at this at this style of movie but like mitch and i have still seen the movie but you seem to have avoided it specifically because you have such an aversion so i want to hear about your aversion to like cringeworthy things um see this is tough because i wish i could tell you what like the the nexus of this is like what first ever prompted this like your dad just did something when you were six and you were like dad that's fucking cringe (laughs) dude you're posting cringe dad stop posting cringe dad you're posting cringe and then he said what and then i just you know nothing um no i don't know what particular thing would have prompted this but i because the intent of the movie to a degree is to make you uncomfortable or to relish in the fact mm. that other people have been made uncomfortable. Like I know a lot of people can get to that place because it's the point of the viewing experience in a way. Um, I have like a physical aversion to it. Like my body reacts like, and I get really tense and uh, I'll reflexively like, close my eyes or like cover my ears or something to just get myself out of the situation even though it's just happening in a movie like if i am being put to have to watch it i will (laughs) not fully involuntarily but like my immediate response is just to physically remove myself from the circumstances as much as i can while still ostensibly watching the thing in this case mm. because i still had to watch it but um I, I i just can't do it like i and i guess on the one hand i i don't get much out of it like um certainly if it's trying to be comedy whether it's you know i think a common example a lot of people point to is a particular episode of the office where uh steve carell's character like promises a bunch of people a bunch of shit and then doesn't deliver And has to like just go explain to everybody that he doesn't have the thing that he said he has. Uh, And just like watching that version of cringe humor where like it's funny that he has put himself in an uncomfortable situation and then just has to sort of deal like I can't like that just makes me uncomfortable. But somewhere along the way as a viewer you're supposed to be getting something else out of it other than the discomfort and i'm just getting the discomfort to a point where i can't engage with it right right does that even does that apply to like that office thing when it's scripted um yes but to probably a little bit of a lesser extent this just makes it worse um even if i think you know people on the receiving end i don't know i don't want to say deserve it but like because you know part of the gimmick of borat at least in this sequel is that you're supposed to think that some of the people are shitty so it's fine that they're being taken for a ride because they're shitty uh and some of them obviously are that's true borat one too 
Oh, it is still. I don't. Yeah. I literally do not know what Borat one is about, so I'm just guessing. But, um, even though that is the case, my reaction is the same. Like I just can't engage with that. I find nothing there other than my own visceral discomfort, and it's a different discomfort than something being like uncanny or weird like people get put off I, I i loathe going back to being like oh david lynch is so weird but i'm going to use the david lynch example because i think it's going to be helpful that is a kind of weird i wish there was a better adjective than that but that people find like a little bit like averse and like off-putting and kind of uncomfortable but like i can watch that and I, I can still engage with it and get something out of it beyond the fact that it's weird or uncomfortable. But with this style of comedy where the whole point is just uncomfortable circumstances where you have the dramatic irony of being in on the joke, like I just get nothing out of it. And it just really bothers me to watch it. Like it is a, it's just a physical struggle to watch it. So I just avoid it because I know I find it very unpleasant. I don't cool. know if that was a good explanation or not. No, um, yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, if it's just if it's just the way you feel, it can't really be explained. I, I, uh, I can relate a little bit. I'm not impervious to this stuff. Like there was a scene in this movie where I, uh, I was watching the movie lying down in my bed, and I just had to like sit up in my bed, and I kind of like put my hands to my head, and my eyes weren't looking at the screen anymore. Um, right. So I, I feel it. I particularly feel it in unscripted stuff. I think when something is scripted and I know that everyone involved has, you know, practiced this thing, like the scripted scenes in this movie when it's just between Borat and his daughter, um, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. It's It, it felt like safe. But when uh, you get someone who, who doesn't know what's going on, or you see it in a lot of like YouTube prank videos. Oh, there, yeah. there, That's the worst kind like, of, the, there the was, worst version of this. <laughs> there was a dude, um, that friend of the show, Casey, showed me way back in high school. Casey, his YouTube, come on. His YouTube channel was called uh, Lof, L-A-H-W-F. Yes. And uh, he uh, made a brand for himself for a few years, just like going up and and being awkward with people and just like uh, um, like one famous one he did was he would uh, walk past people and and ask them for a high five. And then the person realizes that he was asking the person behind them for a high five or he would go up to people and uh, um uh, what kind of he would like he would go up and ask people if they want to like go home to his house to watch a blu-ray with him and he would just you know be really awkward and some of that stuff for me you know uh has amounted to jokes that me and case cakey have repeated um throughout the better part of a decade but some of it is like uh, i have to text him when he tells me that a new video is out and i say like dude I, I, was, I was like 30 seconds in and like i just i couldn't i couldn't do it today um I think there's something uh, about knowing that one person is uh, uncomfortable and someone else like has the upper hand and is actively working to make that person uncomfortable. Uh, that just kind of gets gets under my skin. Um, 
it's uh, I I'd be curious to see if there's oh. any like books written about just like cringe in general because it's a yeah. huge culture now online. Actually, a great example. So I can't do this or like um I've also always been like I know a lot of people. We got any Nathan Fielder heads in the chat? I love Nathan Fielder. Uh, so n- no, but I think if I watched him. I, I would love him. I oh. love a show called How To with John Wilson that I know Mitch I love loves as well. And uh, it's, uh, I think it's a similar thing. Well, Go he ahead, produced Cor. it, Nathan, Nathan Fielder. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, Nathan, for you, brilliant. The rehearsal is like next. The rehearsal, I think, is one of the smartest shows ever written. I got to watch it, bro. So just as an example, like, because Nathan, for you, does have bits where he's just like fucking with people. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Essentially, like that's the like just doing like some fucking insane pitch or something, and like they're obviously a little put off by the whole thing. Um, that's that's probably something that I don't know if I would do great with. But there is another side to the to the cringe comedy coin, and Liam, I think you're getting at something, and it's like it's when it's scripted. Um, I think you should leave with Tim Robinson is a show where a lot of the sketches are just entirely structured around somebody not behaving correctly in a social situation. And then the situation just falling apart. That is like one of my favorite shows I've ever seen. It's so right. fucking and, and it's all scripted, show. but yeah, it's right? entirely scripted. It's all yeah, yeah. And and it's also, but it's also got a heightened level of absurdity that I think also works better being scripted. Like they're on like a haunted walk through a house, and Tim is That's a great app playing a guy who just won't stop swearing and then like gets into an argument with the guy running the tour about like why he's not allowed to say like horse cock and come talking about, about the ghosts yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so good i fucking love that bit <laughs> and like that's really great but if somebody were to do that on a real haunted walk and like post it to youtube i could never watch it because i would like turn to dust like i just can't deal with that I, there needs to be some layer <laughs> I I see what you're saying, but at the same time, with these shows like Nathan for You or or um, in the case of Borat, I do question like how much of it is uh, scripted or arranged, and how much. Yeah, of it is not. I've got there was a questions there, right? about new Borat where I'm like, I don't. I think they. I spoilers. I think some of this shit was set up. But. I think it it might have been. I don't believe it. And and well, and even then, it's an interesting line about what you could call set up and what someone else might call set up. Um, you know, sure. like if it if it's uh, actors pretending that they're not in on it, that's one thing. But if it's uh, someone who was still contacted by production, knows they're doing a film, but was told something else, and were not shown that they're told something else, but they are still not acting you know is that set up and so I've, hmm. I've done a bit of reading on stuff like that and uh um it's a common thing there's a show here in canada called kenny versus spenny that's sure. uh yes yeah, like you can't do that can't fu- i don't fuck with those guys i'm sorry <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah i can't do i can't do that <laughs> and that's it's like a it's like a reality show um but it's a just a, a common debate is you know is it is it set up are they acting um are people who they run into in the show are they paid actors or are they real and in um consuming interviews with uh kenny from the show who did a lot of the the production um you know he's revealed stuff that uh 
you might say, okay, well, this makes it scripted because they called off the competition for a bit halfway through and they didn't tell the audience that or uh, someone that they had on a ju- as on as a judge was like an acquaintance of them, but r- they were still judging the competition um, just like on its own merit. So does that mean it's scripted? So it's, it's really interesting. And I'm actually really attracted to that kind of filmmaking. I love documentary. And I think that um, something like Borat or Kenny vs. Spenny or, or even Jackass is such an interesting combination of like movie and and production and and scripted stuff and documentary um so i i think mm. it's it's really interesting even though it can it can sometimes uh put me off i think it's, it's a fascinating way to tell a story and that's what really um gets me about borat the most is this just cool filmmaking technique i think that's a really good point i i'm with you there too i love it when there's sort of a room of of doubt in in this style of filmmaking because i think it allows for you to build up bits that are more elaborate than you otherwise would be able to um i, st- I think that like a lot of this uh stuff in borat 2 and in nathan for you in the rehearsal uh definitely feels a little bit like it's been uh like a, a pre-cooked but um that i don't think that that detracts from it in any way and there are some scenes in borat 2 that i think are authentic and pretty damning (laughs) and we can get to those later but yeah yeah it's 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 interesting i i am like philosophically interested in it but because i just struggle to engage with it that i I feel like i've never really had the full thought process or discussion because i just don't get there because i've already left the room or something (laughs) Yeah, that's that's kind of part of the reason I wanted to force you to watch this as well. I just like I know you're you're not going to watch it on your own time and but I want to get your thoughts on this type of movie and so uh I, I want to yeah. hear what you think about it like critically. I will say I I regret to inform you and I want to be upfront about this. I don't want to pull a prestige on the listener. Um I watched the movie. I skipped parts of the movie. Just to be clear. Really? Yes. That that extreme of a reaction, you skip through it. Interesting. Yes. And it and it happened more than once. You <laughs> got well, well as as we move through, you gotta tell us what parts. I'm so curious. Um Yeah. Uh so my notes are more about my experience with the movie than it really is the movie. Uh, just a- every note just says cringe. <laughs> uh I have a note that says I was looking down and also plugging my ears so I did not have to experience it. Oh, I'm cool. interested. Okay, yeah, I got it uh, here. Corey, you got to give us some cast this is, crew. This is like how some people react to a Serbian film. Or yeah, oh, dude. That's this a, kind that's, of a visceral reaction. That's a good point. Like when Corey was describing the way he feels about these movies, I was thinking like you could uh, take out that part of the conversation and put it to like a, how some people feel about horror movies and it would be totally apt. And so, um, and I wish that this I felt that way about a lot of horror movies. So it, it's cool. Um, and I, I'd be curious to like uh, find something that maybe like combines horror movies and, and this feeling or if they have to be like exclusive feelings mm. i don't know but uh yeah one th- big time horror movie the one thing i do like about movies that make you uncomfortable is that they kind of like f- 
you can stop whenever you want or, or you can kind of put yourself in that position and it's still pretty safe you know um that's like that's the beauty of horror films and that's the beauty of, of uh, i guess these kinds of movies too <laughs> i agree yeah yeah i uh i have had a aversion to roller coasters for a large chunk in my life i've talked about this on the podcast and um some people say to me you love horror movies it's like horror movies and roller coasters are like the same thing and i think they're not the same thing at all in a horror movie i'm sitting in a theater or I'm sitting at my house, nothing bad can happen to me. Maybe I'll be scared that night, but physically, nothing bad can happen to me. On a roller coaster, as small of a chance as there is, it's a physical experience, and so there's a chance that I literally might die. Like a, The roller coaster might break, I might slip out, I could die. It's and it's also just a physical sensation where like roller coasters, you know, they make me feel it in my gut and I feel like I'm holding on for my life whereas horror movies don't give me that. And even if I were more scared of horror movies and they did give me that feeling in my gut, uh, the main difference is that roller coasters there is the chance of death and horror movies there isn't and i think you know that also applies for for cringy stuff, you know, even if you're uh, feeling super uncomfortable there's there's uh there's methods you can take in order to kind of uh power through it if you think that it's worth powering through yeah yeah i'm also not a big roller coaster guy you just read about like all sorts of horrible roller coaster accidents and it's like not for me not for me i don't know i follow this one youtube channel that just catalogs them and it's just a cacophony of misery and suffering (laughs) Um, (laughs) once in a while i put it on um (laughs) i will tell you right now a, I actually, I also don't like roller coasters, but I also haven't been on one in a very long time. Same. So maybe like horror movies, I might like them now. I don't know. But I'm um, good on water slides, though. Like water like, slides, fuck hard. Yeah, yeah. water slides yeah. are awesome. I agree completely. Um, well, they're more dangerous. There's like yeah, there's very, way higher, very dangerous. Yeah, yeah but they're fucking higher, cooler. Like, mortality rates on water slides. Yeah, but they don't. Yeah, but water slides don't have like cogs. Yeah, it's not this vicious machine. Well, they they right? do. To like no, they don't. Shut up. No, they don't. Do they <laughs> let, me, do? let, let me have this. We're all just water creatures. Bro, we water slides safe don't have, have cogs and Shepherd's Pie <laughs> has quest. Shepherd's Pie has cogs. Um, <laughs> now we can agree on I, something. I know the next Instagram poll. That's all I'm going to say. So, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird. I will say like a good example is... um. I don't know if any of you guys watch Mega Sixty Four on YouTube. No, um, they Mm-mm. it's like gaming stuff, but their bread and butter is, um, like videos where like a, a cameraman is somewhere else, but they're out in like some kind of fucking gaming costume or like out doing a bit, and they're just like interacting with people who don't know that that's what they're doing. That's like a staple of their content. I skip those videos most of the time because they make me uncomfortable. Like that's the bar. <laughs> <laughs> like anything that's sort of like this, I just can't do it. Um, and oh, uh, what I wanted to say before we get to Captain Crusoe is that yeah, had you not demanded my viewing of Borat, I if I had ever started it of my own volition, I just wouldn't have finished Borat. It's just that easy. Mm-hmm. I just would yeah. not have. So, um, yeah. Uh, it was directed by Jason Walliner, who worked on Nathan for You, uh, and What We Do in the Shadows. Uh, it's got nine writers total. Um, so I'm just gonna rattle these off. 
The screenplay is by Sasha Baron Cohen, Anthony Hines, Dan Swimmer, Peter Bainham, Erica Rivinoja, Dan Mazur, Jenna Friedman, and Lee Kern. And then the story is by Sasha Baron Cohen, Anthony Hines, Dan Swimmer, and Nina Pudrad. I didn't go get huh. credit to that because it's nine people and that would be ridiculous. <laughs> um, that would take us a hundred years. Um, it was edited by three different people. It was edited by Craig Alpert, who worked on uh, Pop Star, Never Stop, Never Stopping. Oh, uh, I love that movie. Your Highness, which just keeps coming up on the show. <laughs> um, Pitch Perfects 2 and 3, Deadpool 2, and also the first Borat. Also, Mike Giambra, who edited stuff like Nathan For You, a bunch of Tim and Eric stuff, some Eric Andre stuff. And then James Thomas uh, did The Muppets 2011, edited the new Toxic Avenger movie, First Borat as well, Bad Moms Christmas, Hot Tub Time Machine, The Ali G Show. Hot Tub Time Machine. That's a movie I haven't thought about in like a decade. Oh, that's a throwback. It has Holy a sequel. Shit. Hot Tub Time Machine too. for next week. Uh Cinematography is by Luke Giesbuehler, who worked on uh, some true crime docs, the other Sasha Baron Cohen show, Who Is America, and also the Michael Moore documentary, Fahrenheit 11.9. The music is by Sasha Baron Cohen's older brother, Aaron Baron Cohen. Oh, what a great name. Uh, it's E-R-R-A-N, so it may be like Iran and not Aaron. I'm just, I don't know. I didn't look up how to say it, so that's on me. Um, this movie stars Sasha Baron Cohen. As Borat, you may know him from Borat. Uh, or Who does he play in Borat? Uh, he plays Borat. I don't know the name of anyone else in Borat, so like I can't even make a joke. Who is the guy you skipped through? Uh, Maria Bakalova plays Tutar, who is his daughter. Uh, this was her breakout role, but she's also in Bodies, 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 which is out right now. Oh, that's a great movie. I think that's going to be like a, a Heathers or a Mean Girls like 15 years from now where people are going to quote it. It might not be as big, but I think it'll have as devoted of a following and it'll like identify a generation is a really cool movie. Yeah, that's also just a fucking great name for a horror movie. Yeah, uh, really cool. And then uh, Danny Popescu plays Premier Nursultan Nazarbayev a fictionalized version of the real leader of Kazakhstan. Um, then separately from that, here is a paragraph that I pasted from the Wikipedia page to get a sense of some of the other people that show up in this movie, uh, including, but not limited to Mike Pence and Rudy Giuliani, two absolute fucking scumbags. And also Brian, a guy that sells phones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Brian, uh, what is he seal? <laughs> Brian Patrick Snyder. If you want the full name. Uh, Instagram influencer and entertainer Macy Chanel, crisis pregnancy center owner Pastor Jonathan Bright, debutante coach Dr. Gene Sheffield, Dallas-based plastic surgeon and naval reservist Charles Wallace, professional babysitter Janice Jones, uh, Wooten's Barbershop patron Alan Randy Knight, the Hillsborough Republican Women's Club, QAnon conspiracy theorists Jerry Holman and Jim Russell, Holocaust survivor Judith Dim Evans, and also Johnny the Monkey. Rest in peace. R.I.P. He was a genius. He was so, a real snack. And also, so this movie is about uh, Borat kind of getting a chance to 
you know, fix fix his reputation and also the damaged reputation of the nation of Kazakhstan following the incidents of the movie Borat. Um, by uh, so they want to give they want to give Mike Pence a monkey at first as like a make good for all of that Borat stuff, and then his daughter sneaks into a crate to America instead. So it's like, okay, then what we're going to do is learn how to be good Americans and then give my daughter to Mike Pence as a make good. And then when that doesn't work, they're like, I guess Rudy Giuliani is the next best thing to Mike Pence. Uh, and all along the way, they interact with uh, a bunch of people. And Brian also the, shows I, up. And also the COVID pandemic starts and they, they loop that in uh, to the ending kind of the gist of it i don't feel like i don't really need to give a plot explanation it's borat it's not you know what i mean like i don't know if you're equipped to since you skipped through most of the movie well it's the best i can do they they're they're going around fucking with people um largely like the right wing of the american political spectrum i think that is a a point worth clarifying as if people don't already know that I'm sure most people already do. Um, low hanging fruit, arguably it's, it's not exactly hard to make people with ridiculous views sound ridiculous. So to to a certain extent, I wonder what point you're even trying to prove. I think because none of this was really unknown information before you made a new Borat movie. So like, I don't know what the point is, but okay. There's idiots on oh. all sides of the political spectrum, you know. Sure, I, th- I think uh, somebody could easily go out and make <laughs> make a Borat sort of left wing, uh, yeah, attack as well. Honestly, I guess more what I mean is like, I spent part of the movie wondering what for the audience that this movie has, which is a bunch of people that probably already agree. I guess I'm wondering what it accomplishes by sh- making these people that we already think are stupid look stupid you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah i'm i'm not sure where i fall on that i i don't know what kind of audience borat attracts my my thought was that it might actually be kind of the opposite especially after watching the original borat now as an adult i think that borat the original um is one of those things that has probably been been co-opted by a lot of people who who don't actually uh understand what the uh satire in that movie was getting at and Mm. it uh, it i think it's it just became uh, a set of um quotable jokes said in a in a funny foreign accent that that people would spout off i think in 2006 it definitely did i think there's no way this movie had a similar fate to that though well, I think I think the w- that's probably why this movie was made um, uh, in order to uh, be more clear about what mm-hmm. its point was and um, make it more clear like where Sasha Baron Cohen stands and what the Borat character was doing. And so it, it wouldn't surprise me to learn that, uh, you know, people watch this movie because they were like, oh, that's the that's the my wife, dude. Um, There's no way. I don't, I, I don't like, know, man. The way the movie was marketed, the whole thing is like we're making fun of Republicans. 
so I don't see people who didn't understand that that was part of the original bit getting all the way up to watching this and then going, hey, wait a minute. Like, I just don't see how that could happen. What do you think, Mitch? I, we haven't even asked if we like it yet or not. We're already um, having this part of the discussion. I'm not sure. I'll have to think about that one. Yeah, it, it, is, an, it is an interesting... Uh... It is an it's an interesting thing. Um. So 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 I feel like I should go last. Um. You think so? Yeah. Do you not think so? I just th- I th- I tend to think the person who goes last should be the person who uh, um who goes first. <laughs> <laughs> who's on first? But I guess what I mean is like I don't think. I guess I say I should go last because there was no way I was going to say I loved this movie and it cured my phobia of these movies. Yeah, I guess I think that's why you should go first <laughs> because like it's not surprising. Yeah, it's a huge disappointment. Right. It's a huge why? A huge disappointment. Well, I mean, sorry. Uh it didn't it didn't work. <laughs> um if it was supposed to fix my brain it didn't work. But um we'll have to try something else. Uh well Mitch you watched it twice you've seen it twice let's start with you then let's go to you whatever uh do you like this I'm not going to lie there are parts that make me laugh um I think That's I'm fine. a little I'm I'm less down with it uh after a second viewing than I when I first saw it when it came out and it was contemporary uh, I think it hit harder. Um, the political yeah, message certainly... It's aged like milk in two years in terms of feeling like any sort of biting commentary. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's... It feels, it it feels kind of lame, to be honest. It like, feels like, kind of yeah, no lame, shit, yeah. Like. But I still think it's good. I, the thing with these movies and so many of Sasha Baron Cohen's kind of like elaborate stunts... Um, it's a bit like a monkey throwing shit at the wall where, you know, like the, he's, he's throwing the shit, throwing the shit. Sometimes the shit sticks and it makes a funny noise. And then you might like, you might laugh, but the whole affair kind of stinks. Um, I think that the satire here is really good in places and in other places, it's just kind of dumb. And there's, it's a deeply imbalanced movie, I think, for that for many reasons. But I think that that's just kind of one of them, and it's just some of it's going to land, some of it's not, and it's got it's it's trying to do a lot of things at once. Um, it's also just kind of like an incoherent movie, but that's not necessarily bad. Like if you're watching this with a group of people and you just kind of throw it on, you don't give a shit, and you talk over it and just look at all the obscene things that Sasha Bar- Baron is Cohen is doing, you can have fun. Pardon. Is it incoherent? Um, like in what way? I think, like, with some of the things that it's maybe like <laughs> trying to do, or like its general like messaging is is kind of like a a bit uh, blunt and and like imprecise, right? Like I, I think its its goals aren't aren't like super clear or i guess it's it's the methodology i think they're they're clear to the point of being born like kind of silly okay i think i think you're right about that i I suppose what i'm trying to say is that like the the methodology in in which is doing it because it's very transgressive um but it's also i think 
it's transgressive, but it's like a thinly veiled disguise for like, I guess, progressive values. Uh, and that sort of dissonance uh, makes it feel imbalanced. And uh, sometimes like the what it's driving at doesn't really seem coherent. If that makes any sense. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's I like I like this movie, but I don't love it. That's kind of what I, that's like my favorite tagline on this podcast is I like this movie, but I don't love it. <laughs> um, there are far worse reactions to have to a movie than that. Yeah, there's there's some scenes I really like. There's some scenes I, I could do without. It feels like kind of long. Um, I'm probably not going to watch it ever again. Having seen it twice, twice was more than enough. It's but crazy I knew I needed to see it again. I know I needed to see it again so we could talk about something. But Sorry. there are genuine moments, and I think sometimes the strengths in these movies are in the little touches, not so much like the big um, set pieces, right? The big outlandish set pieces. I think some of the smaller touches are really fun, like like uh, the bit where it, at near the end where it explains how the coronavirus spreads and uh, Borat's like coughing all over Tom Hanks in Australia. Like that's a, a sort of a cultural thing from 2020 that I totally forgot about. Tom Hanks getting COVID in Australia, and I thought that that was fucking hilarious seeing that again because I forgot all about it. The strength is in is in sort of the the slight flourishes, not necessarily like the big things with exception of i think one scene but yeah let's get liam's take in here then um so i I wasn't sure what i was gonna think about this movie or if it was my thing um i was very curious my my curiosity in it in it was reignited um I haven't really thought about it much since it came out in 2020 and I didn't see it, but it was reignited after watching Bodies, Bodies, Bodies and learning that the the main actress in that movie, Maria Bakalova, um, was the was Borat's daughter in this movie. And I remembered uh, people talking about how she, uh, you know, had to carry the Borat movie because people know who Sasha Baron Cohen is now. Um and that she, I had heard that she did a great job, and I thought, oh, that's so cool that now she's already um, in an A twenty four horror movie, acting as a scripted in a scripted part. But she must be good at improv and, and playing off people, and it's not easy doing that Borat job. So that's that's what got me reinterested in the movie. But you know, I've I've seen other sort of uh, quasi scripted stuff like this, and normally it ends up being um, occasionally funny, but mostly kind of grating and and a feel like feeling a bit banal to me. Stuff like uh, Bad Grandpa from about a decade ago, yeah, um, combines the scripted and the the prank stuff, and I love that character from the Jackass movies. I, me and my friends were so excited that was coming out, but it ended ended up feeling a bit toothless um another one is uh the impractical jokers movie or eric andre's recent movie uh, i think it was called bad trip um all occasionally really funny movies but i think when they uh do the scripted stuff i end up just wishing i was watching you know an episode of their respective tv shows or something um so i wasn't sure where i would land on this movie and Somehow, uh, as a surprise to me, I have become I've become a boarhead. Um, I <laughs> I loved the hell out of this movie. I 
thought it was so refreshing. I've been watching so many horror movies lately, not just in October, but like ever since the pandemic happened, I've kind of cuddled up into horror movies as, as comfort films, not being able to go out to the theater. So I haven't been going out and catching all these, these dramas, these random indie movies I used to watch. And I've just been doing the horror thing. And so to watch a comedy movie that was making me laugh as much as this one um, was just so joyous. And then I was also just in awe at the construction of this movie. Um, And I found that uh, contrary to those other uh, quasi scripted, partially prank movies, um, I ended up finding myself totally won over by the scripted elements of this movie and and by the story right when it started. And it does this sort of setup of uh, where Borat has been and how he has his daughter and she's living in a cage. I thought it was pretty lame and I was uh, preferring the documentary stuff from the very beginning, like when Borat has to, um, he goes to get a phone and uh, he puts up Pornhub on on the dudes, uh, on the workers, <laughs> like TV. I thought that was hilarious and so clever, just comedically. Um, so I was like, okay, this is going to be another movie where I'm going to prefer the, the documentary joke stuff. And they're going to keep going back to this story. And I'm going to I'm going to um, not be into that stuff. And it'll end up being a, you know, a half and half movie. But I think on the strength of Sasha Baron Cohen and uh, particularly Maria Bakalova's performances, I was totally into this story of of uh, this father and his daughter and uh, um, this connection that they've they've never had before. But now, in going on this m- momentous trip together, they've made the connection. Um, so I I actually loved that stuff. I loved a whole lot of the jokes. Um, I think that. This movie, um, just because the two main actors are so witty and so deep in their characters, there are so many lines that just made me guffaw. Whereas uh, in stuff like Bad Grandpa, a lot of those jokes are like physical comedy jokes. And there's a bit of that here. But uh, the stuff that really got me is just like two people sitting down talking and, uh, you know, they're talking to someone who doesn't know they're playing a character. Um but the the lines are just so funny and I just feel like I am just watching a, a hilarious conversation. I didn't find myself uncomfortable the entire time because it didn't feel uh, it didn't feel as much like the people who were unaware were being punched down upon. Um, you know, that that comes up and it ends up being a part of the movie. But there are a whole lot of comedic scenes where I thought it, it felt like the people weren't being punched down upon and uh, were just uh, being acted alongside. And I think they stumble upon some, some total catches of characters, if that's what you want to call them. They're these real people who are just so... Uh, um, if not likable, then just fascinating in the way that they they speak and the responses that they have. So I loved a whole lot of that. Um, And I ended up just thinking that this is like a totally uh, cleverly constructed 
like fascinating cool movie the way that they blend the scripted stuff and the comedic stuff they'll set stuff up in a scripted fashion and then pay it off in the uh in the pranks like the whole cupcake the baby thing like i thought that is just incredible comedic storytelling um and I think, you know, some of the scenes worked better than others. And I think that's sort of a risk you run into when your comedy ends up relying on people that you can ostensibly only talk to for one take. Um, and I think in that way, uh, you know, some of the stuff in Borat, the first one is a bit funnier than some of the stuff in this movie. But having watched them both back to back, I actually prefer Borat too. I think that it is more uh i like that it's more pointed and clear in its political message and in its satire i think that it um doesn't feel as uh unfair to to you know innocent people uh whereas the first one he kind of he he interacts with a lot of people who i think are just going about their day and uh and even though it's funny um i think uh it's it's not super fair to those people whereas this one didn't feel uh that way as much um and just in terms of the comedy I actually think this could become a comfort movie to me where I, I could watch this movie again and again because I think some of the comedy here is is just hilarious. And then the way that they blend it all together to actually make a, a, a movie and a story, um, I think is just really formally impressive. So I, I totally loved this movie and I, I was surprised that I did. Huh. Give it to us, Corey. I, I thought I had already. I was just sort of taking in what you were saying, because um, I'm like it, I, I'm very surprised to hear that it could it could go comfort movie mode. That's a very bizarre thought from my perspective. Um, just because we could not be further from that for me, so it's just funny to me that you're the. I mean, like, I don't even feel like I can answer if I liked it or not. Like, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I guess I guess not, but like. Uh, it it I wasn't no matter how good or bad it was I I was gonna have to engage with it the same way anyway so I don't know what difference it makes. Um. Uh, I think the more I've had to think about it, the 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 less interesting I think it gets. Uh, largely because I think the the. The politics stuff all feels really heavy-handed and really kind of silly. And again, it feels like that the target that you've chosen and like the audience that the movie's gonna have. Like in my head, I'm like, this is just like it's an exercise in in confirmation bias. But you put jokes in it because it's like, yeah, all of these people have fucking ridiculous views, and what you've done is you've created a movie where all the things that all of these people are already saying and doing that is ridiculous. You're just getting it down. But like, you could just turn on the news. You don't like, you don't need Borat to get people to say or do this shit. So I wonder to what extent the political angle of it's particularly successful, but like, I don't feel like I can fairly critique it. Like overall, I fucking skipped chunks of it. Like, I don't know. (laughs) It didn't, it didn't cure my aversion. If that's the way that we want to look at it. Um, 
yeah. I mean, yeah, I would, I, w- I wouldn't expect it to. Um, yeah. I'm, I- I'm curious if anything, uh, got through despite your aversion, like comedically or, or anything like that. Um, occasionally, um, uh, but I mean, like text, the idea of texting somebody via faxes is funny. That that's just, that's that's, that's, a, that's a good bit. That and that dude who worked at the the fax machine, he's he's one of those guys I was talking about. Where that's just that's just such a good catch. Um, like as a documentarian or a journalist or whatever, like you find someone like that, and you're like, this person is is just is is just great. Man down over there. Is everybody yeah. okay? We're all okay. Um, okay. that. That person, uh, the fax guy, I just, I loved that he was just, he was just so willing and his delivery of reading the stuff out loud. He's so um, willing, but like, am I just, just being cynical <laughs> if he's so willing that I think they just like hired a guy? I think like, so. I think you're being cynical, but maybe I'm being too naive. I don't know. Who can I say? I think the point you made about about confirmation bias is interesting because I, I think that's one of the things that I had issue with here too. Um, I'm going to switch subjects too drastically. Well, but, what I will say just quickly before we switch, if we switch too far, just like yeah. part of the reason the fax guy works as well is that it's not particularly focused on the otherwise political statement. He's just a guy. Let's get, let's operate under the assumption that he's just a guy because that is that is more interesting. Um, if he's just a dude who works at a place that does faxes and it's funny that he's just reading fa- then like yeah that's great you know but some of the rest of it as Mitch I think you're about to get to I'm less sold on yeah some of it kind of rubbed me the wrong way too like the part where they go to the, uh, to the I guess to the Trump rally and there's all these white supremacists there well um, I mean like okay can I ask like what rubbed you the wrong way about that because you're gonna have white supremacists at the Trump rally, like that's just gonna happen. No, no, of course. <laughs> that's what makes me think it's low hanging fruit, though. That's why it, I'm like, it's low hanging fruit. But at the same time, I think uh, Sasha Baron Cohen feels like a bit of an arsonist here. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that's the point. I, I know. Right? Um, no, no, I'm not saying. I don't mean to say it to you like you don't know. I mm-hmm. I don't know what else. How else to say the point that I'm trying to say, which is like. That's definitely what they're doing, but like, I don't know what the point of doing that is because it's not like they're revealing something secret. Yeah, so it didn't it didn't really surprise me, or and I don't think that particular bit was enough to like make me laugh. It's just like, oh, these people are idiots. You kind of already know that, and it, it plays out exactly how you think it would play out. And I think that like Borat is funny when it subverts your expectations or when it's something you don't necessarily expect or it's obscene and a lot of this movie uh plays i think exactly how you would expect a lot of it doesn't but i think a lot of the humor i also think some of it's got to be bullshit can i make my argument for the thing that seems like the most bullshit by all means there's no way that debutante ball was real right (laughs) They're all drinking Bud Light seltzers there, and that made me cackle. Just like again, that is funny. small details, but it's like 
I, and maybe I'm confirmation biasing my own brain, but I got confused earlier because I was looking at the Wikipedia page. And I was already like, something seems weird about this ball. How did they, like how did they find this? How did they know it was happening? And then uh, I have to find this. Uh, uh, production filming on the Wikipedia page that same month. Baron Cohen traveled to uh, Mason, Georgia, to trick attendees of a fake debutante ball. What does that mean? What does that sentence mean? How do you trick attendees of a debutante ball that is not real? Is yeah. it real or fake? What is it? What is it? There's no way that... I bit, demand to know. <laughs> there's no way that bit wasn't staged. I also wonder about the um, like the empowering conservative women sort of summit. <laughs> that one I'm a little bit more liable to believe, but at the Maybe. same time, it just circles back to my point where it's like, what is the point of doing this in a Borat movie when like go to your local community center and just witness it with yourself. Like, I feel like if you're going to go through all of this effort, it should be in service of, especially if you're trying to make a political point, like illuminating something like, are, are you guys familiar with, um, the yes men? No, no. Simil- Is- like a sequel to the Jim Carrey movie? Should it, I be? Uh, absolutely. So similar-ish gimmick. I actually watched this movie in a class. It's the only reason I'm familiar with this. There's a movie called The Yes Men Fix the World. And the Yes Men are like political con, like con men and shit disturbers. But they they leverage their sneaking into stuff and fucking with people to like illuminate the truth behind like serious issues like there was a a, a chemical disaster at um an indian village in called bhopal and they like sneak if i remember correctly they like sneak into like a meeting with like company executives and like find out like culpability information or things like that the whole movie isn't like that but i'm bringing up this example in particular just to help me like get to the point yeah that would be with union Um, carbide that was the company that was responsible for that tragedy yeah so what i mean is like in that case i understand why you're sneaking into something and and fucking with people in a particular way because you're getting like new information about like an actual thing that happened but the thing that's like getting me with this and i think it's it's just because it's very 20 the very 2020 of it all like or trump era u.s politics of it all is like we're not you're not telling me something i don't know so it makes me wonder why we're doing it you know what i mean like you mean to tell me rudy Giuliani's a bad guy it's like yeah no fucking shit (laughs) like so i i guess i don't know what its goals are because nobody's like nobody's gonna see it and go like hey wait a minute I think that that scene still manages to be like astonishing, even though we all know he's like a, a shit guy. It, maybe that, yeah, that that scene is pretty wild. But like, you 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 see what I'm getting at, where it's like, wow, you like scouted out at like a like a gun rally with like people with Confederate flags, and you you mean to tell me those people might not have the greatest views? And I'm like, yeah, man, I know. Like, 
that's the brand already. Um, so I guess I just don't like that's trying to actually talk about the movie as the movie and like what it's trying to do that bothers me because then if I try to talk about the bits, I just have notes where it's like he entered, uh, actually, uh, that was reading the wrong line. Um, could barely get through the FaceTime bit, covered my face with my shirt during the Google search bar bit and already turned the volume down. So I couldn't hear the porn bit. Like I just really? can't even do that part. So like all I have is wondering why it's trying to make a political statement that a lot of people aren't going to disagree with. Yeah, I, so I wonder, um, maybe you feel, maybe you have a bit less to hang on to just because you ended up having to skip through a lot of where I think the, the value is. Um, uh, not necessarily like, satirical or like political value but just like inter entertainment value because i think at the core of it this is an entertainment movie you know if, if they wanted to if they were really that um that determined to show injustice in america you know they could um they could make a documentary they could take out the borat character um i think this movie, I, I don't think of it as like needing to be groundbreaking or saying anything I don't already know. I see it as more of like a slice of life thing where we're interacting with people in the world uh, who are um, who are, you know, to me, I, I feel like these people are real people, you know, like this pastor that they talk to at the at the health center, quote unquote, health women's health center. Um I, I, I think that's a real person. And so he, it's not a shock to me that people like that who, who don't want young women to have abortions and, and want to tell them that God made babies for a reason. Um, of course, I know that those people exist, but I do think it's it's fascinating to, to see that, to have that person show those views while this comedy is happening around them you know because if if it was just about we're gonna document this dude who feels a unique way then that dude would get a whole lot more screen time and we would learn exactly where he's coming from but uh i think the value of this movie um is is twofold i think that it is uh it, it's shining a, a specific light on on some of these uh these people um who who might not surprise us but it's it's just it's showing that they exist and the fact that they're willing to say these things on, on camera i think is uh is so baffling to me and then all throughout you know i'm laughing at borat and i'm i'm sort of uh um just being entertained by the story and so that's where the value comes from for me i, I don't take this as a as a uh, catch-all of like this needs to get me like caught up politically in what i'm supposed to think uh, but i do think it's cool that uh it, it it dunks on those people while making me while making me laugh yeah i don't know like I have a note that just says I'm just sort of suffering through this cage bit. Like, was that when the dude has to like is, uh, they get the dude to box in the daughter again? Like they, yeah. He, like, I mean, I, I probably I don't know. Like, I think <laughs> so. Like, 
Yeah. Like the degree to which I struggle to engage with that cannot be overstated. Um, so I think you're right in that my view of this is very particular because I don't have a lot of that to hang on to. Um, uh, like it's weird because I know the whole point is to get a reaction out of the audience, but like my aversion is to witnessing the thing that I'm supposed to react to. Right. Yeah, I don't. I don't like, think your so like, reaction I, is ideal a, for the filmmakers. No, surely not. Um, like the truck stop bathroom situation, whatever that was, I fully skipped it. I don't know. I, I don't, like it started, I don't and I was like, they're in like a stall, and like there's a bunch of other dudes in the bathroom, and like I don't know what happened because I was like, well, I can't do this one. Oh, oh, that was when she was shitting out the baby figurine, right, Mitch? Yeah. So was. I just yeah. sort yeah, of that was funny. Like, but, but like, it's not funny to me. I just can't do it. Like, like I try and I just can't. What? (laughs) Okay. So what about the, the scene prior where they're talking to the pastor? Like, is that also super uncomfortable to you? I spent part of that scene muted. Cause I think that is like an incredible comedic framing and just classic comedy, um, misunderstanding comedy. And the fact that it is hilarious in that sense while also getting this dude to put egg on his face and also showing how busted these institutions are that these places can uh pose as women women's health center like that seems it's like a it's a double win to me for me what that was is is like um on the one hand just sort of an uncomfortable situation but also, like, I think because I'm more like, yeah, of course, this guy's going to say deranged shit because he's a pastor running a fucking, like, obviously, that wasn't going to go great. Um, But I don't know. I don't even know what I'm trying to say. I just can't. <laughs> That's all I have is I just can't. Like, and, and it's not because I think it's like, there's just something about the level of discomfort that I can't do, even though like I foundationally understand what the bit is and know what they're going for. Like, I don't know. I'm lost for words right now. I'm not articulating this well at all. I'm like, I'm like, I feel like I'm like grasping through a dark room trying to put this sentence together. Um, I don't know. I did, I'll try to articulate this better later. I just can't do it. It just doesn't click at all. Um, what do you got, Mitch? Do you got anything I don't on your mind? Yeah, sorry, I didn't articulate that very well. <laughs> I think um, one of the interesting things that this movie does is it it kind of like makes fun at the at the point that like Americans, people living in North America, don't really know that much about like the rest of the world, and so they kind of build up Kazakhstan to be this fan, this like tremendously regressive place that Borat comes from, and then he comes to the U.S. and he kind of navigates all these other regressive. Um, things right with this point of view, and that it it becomes sort of changed by like his his experiences there, and I I think that that sort of juxtaposition with this sort of fictionalized <laughs> like heritage, or I don't think Kazakhstan is it, it's not as bad as fucking Borat makes it out to be, but uh, I've also never been to Kazakhstan, so I don't really know, but I but uh, 
it's just sort of funny to see him then with like that sort of um uh, of a background colliding with all these other things yeah i think um you know born from the first movie when when they decided on kazakhstan i've got to think that the reason that they um they they picked a real country because uh, I would imagine like they're they're telling all these people you know that they need to get in with that that Borat is from Kazakhstan. It's got to be a real country if they look up the word Kazakhstan. It has to exist. Um, but the depiction of Kazakhstan uh, is more a commentary, I think, on on how uh, people from North America or people from from England might think of a country that they haven't really heard of before no but sasha baron cohen is from england oh okay Uh, for a second i was like man there's a lot of it borat i do not know (laughs) yeah we need borat three borat goes hawaiian that's what we need i mean it's the inevitable next step yeah but i think so i think kazakhstan is 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 a an interesting choice um but also you know kind of a a bold choice i think uh Kazakhstan, the, the actual country, was was upset about the depiction in the two thousand uh, when the two thousand six movie came out. But now, after the the sequel, they've uh, I've read that they've like branded tourism ads after Borat and have kind of marketed themselves uh, after it. Um, probably because you know it, they, they've they probably are like it's it's gonna help us out. Uh, so I think it's 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 very it's very cool this combination of uh, real and and fake in these movies, and I and I think just sort of conceptions that, that people hold about things and how Borat kind of um, attacks those conceptions. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think a uh, a notable a notable instance of that in this movie. Um, ends up being one of my favorite scenes in the movie even though right when it started i thought it was going to be my least favorite scene in the movie and it's when borat goes to the 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 synagogue um dressed in a a jewish uh i don't know what i'd call it caricature costume i don't know yeah that's that's um and i think the setup for that was was funny too that Borat is talking about how he needs to get a gun at this point in the story, and there's a voiceover where he says, um, "Since I do- did not have a gun, I-, I went to the synagogue to wait for the next mass shooting." Um, and he goes in in this this caricature, uh, just wildly offensive uh, Jewish caricature, and there are these two elderly women there in the synagogue, and uh, one of the women in particular is talking to him and uh, just with, you know, such uh, empathy and, um, and she's, she's telling him about how, how she was in the Holocaust and about how all Jewish people aren't evil. And this is another instance of like, I'm not learning anything um, that, that I don't know generally, but we are highlighting this this person and being reminded that you know real people uh 
feel these these ways uh behind all these like generalities there are real people operating and in this case it's 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 uh the opposite of what we've been seeing up until this point uh with these people with very hateful views um and ignorant views now we have someone standing in the face of a hateful ignorant view and is so so patient um and i i was so happy that this person got documented and that uh i you know i just know that someone like this exists i thought it was brilliant i saw in the credits that that she had passed away and i i i think it's incredible that um her 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 spirit and her optimism uh was was in this movie and Mm -hmm. I love that scene. I think it's important to have characters like that in in a movie like this because this film is just sort of like brimming with shitty people. And you have like a few really wholesome good people like the the woman who plays like the the, the babysitter or whatever. She's a Mm -hmm. really great sort of, um, uh, I don't want to call her a foil necessarily, but she kind of grounds the movie in in a way in in like just like common sense and common decency. Yeah. and she's also kind of pivotal to, I think, to the plot and how, uh, how, and how like Borat and his daughter's relationship kind of evolve, right? And so that there are like some good, like wholesome characters uh, through this movie that really, um, I think, do like drive what it's trying to say, like, or it's it's driving like I think a, like a, a general message through it, but. Um, yeah, there are there are some really great characters that are that are wholesome in this. Yeah, I I agree, and I think the fact that you know whether whether they're characters or like real people, I don't I don't even um, I don't know what to call them. Even if they are actors, you know, should we call them characters? But regardless, I think the the pretense that they are real people um, is 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 just incredible i think it it makes for a really cool film um filmic construction like the way that they they compose the story in order to make that that the babysitter i don't remember her name uh but the the babysitter um ends up being like a significant uh part of um uh tudor's you know character arc and that comes from from realism like it's an it's a it's an actual woman saying what she feels i read that she was told that um the filmmakers were making a documentary about um a uh, i think a, a a dad connecting with her daughter uh I saw this earlier. I'll go find it for you because I already have a Wikipedia page open. If you want to just keep going, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll hop back in. But so the so the fact that you know she she knows there's cameras on her, so obviously there's a bit of performance there. But the same can be said for the these people who say terrible things. They know that there's a camera on them, and they are still saying these things. I think that is incredible. And so uh, to to have this 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 babysitter and to to see her speaking. Um, to tutor as if she's real and and having uh her her character shine through and it it just shows that uh uh real people like are can can be incredible and the the duality of of humankind and i just i think it's uh it's just so cool i think this is just such a cool movie um and it's also funny uh liam just as a note 
Uh, I regret to inform you this is under the heading on the Wikipedia page, Accusations of Unfair Treatment. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's not surprising, and I think that, you know, we can talk about that too. But. Yeah, I'll read this chunk just to contextualize what that Please means. Please do. The New York Post reported that babysitter uh, Janice Jones felt, quote, betrayed by the filmmakers who told her she was going to be in a documentary about a young woman being groomed to marry an older man. She mm. did not find out the true nature of the film until the day before it was released. She later disputed that statement, saying that she was not angry at the filmmakers and that it, it was her fault for not reading the release papers. Asked if her $3,600 payment for her appearance seemed fair, Jones replied that, quote, I can't say it was fair because they knew it was going to be a movie and I didn't. Acclaiming her as the, quote, moral compass of the film and mentioning that she was unemployed as a result of COVID layoffs, a GoFundMe campaign started by Jones's pastor raised over $50,000 for her in three days, more than $150,000 by the end of the week. Sasha Baron Cohen donated $100,000 to her community of Oklahoma City with funds dispersed by her church. Um, and, uh, yeah, so... She knew to some extent it was going to be some kind of documentary, <clears throat> not just not this. I'm astonished that they only paid her. Do you say thirty six hundred dollars? Yeah, that that does feel like I feel like the 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 ethical qualm you run up against with movies like this in general is like if you know that your Borat movie is about to make millions of dollars and you paid somebody thirty six hundred dollars. Maybe you should have paid them a little bit more than $3,600. Yeah. I think there wouldn't be an issue if she was adequately compensated, really. I mean, it, that's more what it sounds like to me. I think it just sounds like... Yeah, yeah, that they fucking short-shrifted her. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so, too. I think um, that's sort of the, the main... My main qualm with with this movie and the previous movie, actually, is the way that it... it it has the potential to exploit people, um, to put people on a big screen who have, you know, agreed to it on paper. Um, they put release forms in front of these people with all this legalese and, and people sign it. And, you know, it's one thing if, uh, if your person is, uh, <laughs> I think, someone who... Uh, who <laughs> I, I might argue it, uh, deserves to be... Um, uh, shown publicly saying disgusting things um but when it's, it's it's someone like this who seems who seems really sweet um i i think it's it, it is an issue um that you're taking advantage of these people you know more than they do and and you're taking advantage of them and i think the way to fix that would be uh to just give them more money afterwards like i understand that this was a very secret production they they can't let anyone know that they're filming this movie um because once word gets out you know uh people are on guard and it's harder for them to um to get people to sign this stuff people might know about it um and so sure maybe you have to pay you can't pay her more than thirty six hundred dollars because if you pay this woman hundreds of thousands of dollars to be in your documentary about uh about um grooming then she's going to be suspicious and then like more lawyers get involved and they have to figure out why you're paying her all this money and the secret gets out but i think just after the movie has come out then just you just give her more money because mitch is kind of right to call her a character she's an essential character in this movie and and for the rest of uh existence really when people watch this movie she's she's a huge chunk of it and so i think uh in, in that case, I think you just got to compensate her more after the fact. 
Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. What else did you skip through, Corey? I got to know. Um, well, at a certain point, my notes get a lot less frequent. So I'm assuming around there, I started sort of not really paying as much attention uh, just for my own sanity. Um, skipped a chunk of the synagogue stuff for sure. Would that have been like when she was talking to him? Probably. Okay. Wow. Um, definitely skipped part of the CPAC thing. Probably skipped part of the debutante ball thing as well. Did you skip the Rudy Giuliani thing? I had seen that before, so okay. no. Because um, I knew what the deal with that already was. Um. Yeah, man. I don't know. Like that's what I. That's why when we did this, I react. When we picked this, I reacted the way that it is. I knew I wasn't going to be able to help myself from kind of doing that. And I feel a little bit. I don't know if I, saying I feel bad is quite the right. I'd feel bad if I were you. Phrase. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, I can only engage with the movie so far because that's how I had to watch it. I don't know. Because otherwise, I would have just been miserable, mm. um, and probably still not paid close attention. It just would have taken longer, um, and I, I didn't. I didn't see a huge benefit to me doing that, mm-hmm. uh, so I didn't do that. Um, it's kind of funny that Brian came back at the end on Facetime. That was that was kind of cute. Oh yeah, I loved that. That's another example of how I think this movie does really good at combining the scripted elements and the non-scripted elements, and the way that it eventually weaves COVID in the into the plot. But because I I just I thought I think it's so clever and cool. But doesn't it make you wonder, like, how they found Brian, the phone guy they shown porn to in a public store, and then loop back in at the end? Like, it, it it makes me wonder, but not to like the detriment or to make me question the veracity of the of the initial scene. Um, I I can uh, I don't find it hard to believe that after filming that original scene, they they found some things to say in order to convince this guy that they were making some sort of movie and and his uh his involvement to do this quick thing on facetime would would be appreciated or maybe he was thrown a couple bucks or something and i don't think that takes away from the initial prank where he uh gets porn hubbed it doesn't really make a difference to me i don't see the porn hub thing as being that cringe either i was just i was more laughing through that but yeah, I thought it was really funny, and I think like just the the way that that is set up and and paid off, I think it's just it's really clever writing. And so when you've got clever writing on top of uh, um, a a real person's reaction, uh, I think and like there are cases in this movie where I think if the if it were in a scripted film and they tried the same thing, I don't think it's as funny. I think uh, um, the the liveliness and the energy of having a real person there really helps the comedy. Yeah, I mean, I, I do, like, I don't know. From your end of the podcast, you guys, like, am I just being 
no fun about this. Like, I don't know how to. I feel like I've done a disservice to this somehow by not like. I don't really have it. that much to say about this movie because I think it it doesn't have. I I don't know. I think it's just one of those movies. What we spent an hour and a half. That's plenty for Borat too. Yeah, and I think Corey. I don't think you can't. You can't help your your reaction. This is a very visceral movie, and if you're um. If you're just you're not able to interact with it, I think that's that's totally okay. I think it's just like someone who who isn't comfortable watching horror movies with a lot of gore in them. Um, a lot of those horror movies, I I would think, you know, I would say that they they are uh, artistically valuable, that they have something to say beyond the gore, or even if they don't have anything to say beyond the gore, I might say that you know within those scenes there's stuff that is likable besides the gore. Like maybe there's, there's clever writing or cool camera angles or something that I would wish that someone is able to experience. But the fact is, you know, it was these filmmakers choice to, to put that stuff in a very specific type of movie. And, uh, some people just aren't able to, uh, it's it's okay to not be able to um, to not feel comfortable with every type of movie, and so um, even though I wish that you had been able to uh, um, you know hear some of these jokes that I think are really funny and that I think that you would think are funny in a vacuum, um, the fact that they're they're in this movie uh, I think is just. Um, I think I think it's okay that you're they're not able to get to that stuff because it's not yeah. gonna it's not gonna change your life anyway. There's a, a, plenty of other movies you can laugh at, you know. It'd be a pretty dull podcast if we didn't have boundaries, you know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe next, if they ever do another Borat movie, maybe that'll be an After Dark. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I will say I don't I don't even know how many other movies like this exists that fit our criteria anyway yeah this is the first of its the first of its type that we did which is also why i was excited to do it it's just it's an interesting type of movie it's good for us to branch out um mitch in what way are you going to attempt to harm me via the medium of film next week (laughs) (laughs) good question i was kind of up in the air with a few different ideas um but I'm thinking I'd like to watch one of the Maniac Cop movies. I haven't seen the third one yet entirely. Um, but part of me just wants to say fuck it and do the second one because I like it and it's fun. <sighs> what well, which one are you going to choose? What do you think, Liam? Should I, do, uh, should I do the one I haven't seen or should I do the one I've seen? Uh, you, you, the spirit th- of the podcast is to say the one that you haven't seen. I However, agree. it is also very funny to have Liam say earlier, man, I've been watching so many old horror movies. I needed to branch out and do something new and then have Mitch go, but what if we watched Maniac? Oh, dude, I'm down. I watched I watched Borat 1 and 2, so I'm I'm satiated for a little bit. <laughs> I'm not. I, I could keep going with the horror films. There's there's some really great ones that I've watched. Lately. Yeah, no, dude, of course. Um, yeah. yeah, let's do it. Um, As, as for two or three... Um, I think you know better than I just because you've seen Maniac Cop 2 and so maybe think about what kind of discussion we could have about that. But at the same time, we can talk about 2 while we talk about 3. Have you, you seen any of them, Corey? No. Okay. Um, I've seen I think I've seen I think one of you sent me a scene 
of a I think a dude in a car getting shot with a shotgun or something. And I no, think that's it's from Maniac Cop. That, that's just from Maniac. Oh, <laughs> different franchise, but but uh, same uh, same director. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna he go. Just with loves the, Maniac. I'm gonna go with number two. Okay. Maniac. Actually, two. Okay. number three. Number three. Maniac Cup 3, Number Badger three. Silent. Oh, Lord. Is that your final three. answer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the final answer. Cool. Is that your final answer? Yeah, bro. And is that your final answer? Yeah. Okay. We can do this all day. We could, theoretically. Um. Uh. Do you have any final plugs you'd like to make? Uh. Wow. Well, 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 well. <laughs> Gotta say, credit where it's due. Uh, wah wah wee wah, very funny. Nice, very funny. My, my wife, very funny. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It, it's funny so, when Bora does it, but not when anyone else does it. That shit's very funny. <laughs> I love that after all this, like Corey finally watched a full Borat movie and he comes away like basically with the exact same appreciation he went in where he's like, you know what? Those frat bros who just quoted Borat mindlessly, they're, they had the right idea. My wife is funny. <laughs> it is funny. <laughs> the rest of it cringe. <laughs> I don't disagree. Well, maybe I disagree a bit, but I do agree that me- my wife is funny. Uh, I mean, my wife's funny. I don't know what to tell you. Like, anytime I'm at work and Callum brings up his wife and he says my wife, I just say my wife oh, back no. to him. But I don't even do the Borat voice. I Like, he says my wife and I just go in the in the intonation. I just go, my wife. Like, and that's funny. That's gold, Jerry. <laughs> that's fucking funny, dude. I don't know. Um, this movie needed more of that. It needed eight to ten more my wife's, my wives, um, to really, to really sell it. The cringe thing is so weird. Like, it's 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 just cool that like you're a real person interacting with Callum, who's a real person. Yeah. You saying that to him, like that isn't cringe, and I don't mean in just like a term like cringe isn't lame. I mean cringe is it, like, it is cringe isn't lame. It's not, yeah. it's, just, it's not cringe. It's not cringe isn't like, uncomfortable. But like if Borat says my wife to a real person, you're like, oh no. <laughs> well, but here's the thing, actually, that's not true because I don't know what the context for that is. I don't know when he says that or why or to who. I just like I was culturally told that it was funny and I decided that I agreed. Like I don't know what the context for my wife is. Ah yes, I agree. This is funny. Like what is it? Like it's the context is just it's just like he's talking to the camera at the beginning of the movie is where it first happens and he's just like telling about his his life in Kazakhstan and he uh he talks about his wife and he kind of says it in a funny way and occasionally he brings up his wife and how he doesn't like her but uh it's it's not really like a thing where he like keeps saying it to people or something but i guess i just mean that like because the idea of borat talking to a real person makes you uncomfortable well the idea were to say my wife with a real person makes me uncomfortable he can talk to whoever he wants but i guess in in this movie like he can't talk to someone without fucking with them because it seems like he could choose to. everything makes you want how would he do that because i think he kind of does that in this movie where like it's not like active fuckery the whole time he's like just like he's playing a character but he's also just engaging in the conversation but i guess it's inherently active fuckery isn't it though 
Well, that's what I'm asking. So, like, so well, no matter I'm, what, I'm I'm needlessly creating this hypothetical because I've never seen Borat. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, like, I'm I'm creating a hypothetical where maybe he could do that, but like, I don't know. It sounds Probably like we got to get you to watch the original Borat. I don't want to do that. <laughs> open up a let's open up a Patreon. Someone uh, give Corey thirty six hundred dollars. Yeah, fair. And then Corey will sue you because that is not accurate compensation <laughs> for putting Corey through this hell. Um, what I do want is uh, plugs from Liam. Well, I got a film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mallow. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd uh, to hang out with a bird. Uh, <laughs> well, I didn't hit the mute button quick enough on that one. <laughs> That's okay. At Mr. Corey Price. Uh, if you go to MortalCombatConquest.ca, all kinds of other podcast stuff over there. Um, you can listen to them. Uh, Corey, okay. can I... Hmm? Can I ask you something quick? Yeah. It's still Borat 2 related. I just realized I hadn't asked you, and I, I do want to know. Okay. I don't know if it'll come up again, and if I ask it you know, weeks from now, you might forget. I, I was reading on a message board about Borat, because I liked it after I watched it, and someone said that um, they felt that the haircutting scene felt like something straight out of I Think You Should Leave, which you love. And so I'm wondering if you saw the haircutting scene and if that worked for you. True. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Um, it's exactly like that. So I'd have to w- go watch it more dedicatedly. I remember thinking it was funny that the guy's name was like Alan and his nickname was Randy. Um, like, that's just funny. Uh, I don't really remember, uh, which I'm sure is not the answer you'd want. Um, I don't know. I'd be. I'll watch the scene again. See if okay, I'll, I'll find it. I'll find it and send it to um, you. That's about all the answer I can give. Did you guys like Maria Bakalova's performance? Yeah, she's great. Yeah, wonderful. I'll give her that. She, okay. She's also like way fucking braver than I am. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, that was hilarious. It's very obvious why this was a breakout performance. Okay, I'll She's stop pounding on you for Borat info now. It's okay. Um, whatever, you know what my plugs are. It doesn't matter. Thank you all once again for listening to this episode of They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, which is all one word on Letterboxd at TMAO. You can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, Stitcher Breaker, and everything else as They Made Another One. You can reach us via email at TMAOpodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and your favorite Borat joke. A fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson. You can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. And with all that out of the way, we're going to watch one of the Maniac Cops next week. We'll see how many times Mitch changes his mind. Have they made another one? I'm going to fight you right now. Make him watch Borat 2 again for the next pod just for that, Mitch.